Hey everyone, welcome to 5-Minute Popcast, 5-Minute Update, your weekly update from around the parks. This week's 5-Minute Update is brought to you by Tink's Magical Vacations. Please stand clear of the doors. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of 5-Minute Popcast. My name's Nick, also known as at Disney Adams on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'm also a travel planner specializing in Disney destinations for Tink's Magical Vacations, an earmarked travel planning company. And this week, I have a very, very special guest, and not only because we're talking about Star Wars, but because I love a lot of the stuff that I've seen uh, across her social media, as well as um, she's the author of Star Wars uh, Women of the Galaxy. And that is a character encyclopedia, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, Amy? Uh, yes, basically. All right, gotcha. And um, and so and that guys is Amy Radcliffe. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Nick? I'm I'm doing great. And where can we find you on social media? Folks can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore Geek. Awesome. So um, you know, and those who do already follow Amy um know that she's a big Star Wars fan, uh, much like myself and a lot of the listeners. Um, so that's that's what today's episode is going to be all about is, is uh, Star Wars and uh, more specifically more more specifically excuse me Star Wars in uh, the parks. So the first question I always like to ask in um, conversations like this, Amy, is when you you know your your park is more specifically Disneyland. Um, but when when you go to the parks, what's the first thing that you absolutely have to do? Oh, the first thing um, is usually get a snack of some kind. <laughs> um, I'm about you know roughly 35 miles away from Disneyland, but usually with Los Angeles traffic, that's a solid hour up to an hour and a half. So no matter what time I leave, I'm always hungry when I get there. So um, first order of business is usually a snack. And for a light snack, I like to go to Bingo Barbecue in Adventureland. Um, if it's a breakfast time, I like the Red Rose Tavern in Fantasyland. Um, but if I just need like a little snack, Jolly Holiday usually has something too. Okay. Like, yeah, I'm, so priorities. I'm, a big, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big food guy when it comes to getting in the parks. That's that's generally one of my first priorities as well. Um, what about Walt Disney World? Do you have any you know favorite things to do when you get there? Is it you know same thing, hop in the snack line, or is it a little bit different since you're right in the park property? It's a little different with Walt Disney World because you know if you're in a hotel, you're there, and also like I don't get to go to Walt Disney World as as much as I do Disneyland, so it's a little more special. And my favorite parks there are Epcot and Animal Kingdom. So if it's Epcot, I love to go on Spaceship Earth, um, and I really wish I would have got to go on it before. Um, I know they're updating it soon, and I didn't get to have that kind of one last hurrah. Um, so that's always a must-do for me if I'm in Epcot, and then it's World Showcase time. Yeah. Uh, one cool thing about that is they actually, and everything going on with the reopening, they have postponed its um, update. Which oh, means they're going to keep it open. Yeah, because they wanted to make sure that there's enough for people to do. And I think that one just between how spread apart the, the each, you know, um, each piece of the ride is and, and the queue itself, I think they decided to keep it open, you know, just to make sure that guests can have, you know, those, those classics. Good. Maybe I'll have a chance to go on it again before they I hopefully I'll just be I don't know. I'm nervous. I just have so much this like. You're not even nostalgic because I didn't really discover that ride as an adult. The 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 ride I remember from um, when I was a kid and went to Walt Disney World at Epcot was the Living with the Land because upside down plants were really remarkable. I don't know that really stuck with me. Um, anyway, Spaceship Earth is pretty cool. 
That's funny. I, I actually, we, a must do is living with the land for us as a family, um, which just, is pretty neat. I haven't, uh, I think I went on it a few years ago for the first time since I was a kid. And I just, it's a soothing ride. I, I think it's neat. And if, you, if you're a kid and if you have kids, I think it's educational. Well, that's the nice thing about it because Ep- Epcot is historically awful when it comes to shading um, yes. and, and getting out of the sun. So to be down there, you're a little bit cooled off because they've got the fans going through a lot of the areas um, to be able to relax. Like you said, it is very informational, but I, I, I personally I even like seeing how the fish are, you know, at the end and the way they cultivate, you know, with, with different methods and stuff like that. Like it is a very educational ride. Yeah, and this is a tangent, which for which I apologize, but I remember uh, in Epcot, I didn't go on. Uh, what what is it that's becoming the Guardians of the Galaxy ride? Was it called Energy of the? Oh, Ellen's Energy Adventure. Yes. So I had not gone on that till fairly recently, um, before it closed, and I was like, how did I not know about this beautifully air conditioned, long ride in which I can come <laughs> and like I like the dinosaur part, but after that, I was like, it's nap time, and this is great. Yeah, actually, I I always remember it from being a kid, but as an adult, I didn't get a chance to go on it again before they closed it. But I always thought it was fun. I really liked that. It, it was fun. Um, I can see it would have more appeal for a kid, but I, I really loved the dinosaur part. <laughs> you know, and um, when they started taking apart the ride, Disney actually brought the animatronic to Ellen. And um, they have an episode. You can look it up on YouTube. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's hilarious when she gets to see her uh, her mannequin that was created in the 90s. Um, so it, it's pretty comical to watch that video. That's pretty fantastic. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, yeah. No, you'll, you'll definitely get a laugh from it. Um, so now you were saying before the episode, you've been to Star Wars Land in both parks, which I'm very jealous because based off of current events as well as a few prior events i have not actually been able to get into star wars land yet so i'm living vicariously through the people i talk with on the podcast um but what so far has been your favorite within the star wars land areas it's really so special a place to me and i really feel like you are like i forget that i am in disneyland or hollywood studios when i'm there and my favorite area is the marketplace I I know that's not an attraction um, or anything, but I just really love the detail in the marketplace. And it's very much the kind of place, place, let me see how many times I can say that, um, where I can, you know, there's actually not a lot of seating. There's kind of one seating area, but I can lean against a wall and you just have so much atmosphere between, um, you kind of have the light smells coming from the Ronto roasters and, and Katsaka's kettle. So you have like a little meat, a little popcorn and they have really good audio. I mean, the audio design throughout the land is tremendous, but in the marketplace, you can kind of hear the, the residents that live above the stalls chattering, um, or calling to each other. And just all of that combined with like this beautiful, like fabric awning and netting overhead and these like weird clumps of like haphazard wires it just i think it just tells a lovely that particular little corridor um especially tells a lovely story and i just feel so like i'm somewhere else um and i think that's it's just what they achieved there is i think really cool well they're saying that it's it's pretty much uh every corner you take is set up so that it's it's an angle like a, a cinema angle so you're in your own story yeah, they clearly really thought through, and I know that's a strength of Imagineering anyway, but 
I feel like a challenge they must have faced between, you know, we're used to seeing Star Wars in two hour increments or um, shorter if we're watching like animated series. So here they had to make something that not only like you have, that's going to last, I would assume for a very long time. And you can, you know, you can't direct, you're not directing people through a camera lens. So people can turn and look from every angle and they really did do a great job of like, no matter where you look one, you're still in story. Like you're still, I found very few instances where I can see anything that's not galaxy's edge. Yeah. And yeah. And you just, like you said, it's cinematic. And when you, they did a great job. I mean, it's a pretty hefty size, right? 14 acres is, is not small, but they do a, just a smart job of leveraging that and make you feel like you're going to turn a quarter and like, it's just the sense of discovery and you want to keep going and like, what am I going to see next? And I think that's no other uh, land quite like it for sure. You know, it's, it's funny you talk about the atmosphere of, you know, the, like the marketplace. One of my favorite areas in all of Walt Disney world is actually the Morocco pavilion in Epcot Yes. for that same reason. And it just, it's, you're there. You're not in. And one big thing that I love about Disney is, you know, I work 24-7. I'm a, I'm a young father or a stepfather of three. You know, we my fiance and I, we work a lot. So the Disney is our one time to go be free and be ourselves and be away. So to go into a place like that and to just kind of be able to feel like, wow, I'm in Morocco, you know, you know, and you like I, I had a, a 30 minute conversation with a gentleman from Morocco who his favorite thing to do, and this could be a script for all I know, but his favorite thing to do is play half-pitch football or soccer, as we call it in America. And just to, to have those things and have the ability to have that interaction, I can only imagine what it's like in Star Wars land where Lucas would be involved as well. Yeah, it is very, and I love that pavilion as well in the World Showcase, and it is very just, it transports you, and though I do wish there was more uh, walk around, like, show, you know, street characters, streets, so yes, to speak, yeah. um, the cast members that are there and who are working, you know, in the shops and things, I really do enjoy that some of them have, you know, because Imagineering did flesh out this whole planet, even though we only see part of it really closely with Lucasfilm. So I like when cast members talk about their commute in from whatever vicinity they live in, or they talk about their home life because they've made backstories where the the characters they're playing, Um, which is, you know, not like anything else in a kind of, I guess, Pandora is like that uh, in Animal Kingdom, but it's like another, it's like leveled up in Galaxy's Edge and I, it's just really fun. Well, that's the thing with Star Wars is, is you know, there, there's, you know, even Pandora, I, I absolutely loved Avatar. I, I thought it was, I still think it to this day is one of my favorite movies all time. Um, but Star Wars is, you know, is something different. There's a love that comes from Star Wars, no matter what demographic, no matter what age, no matter really anything, you know, where, where you're from, it, you know, people know about it and they can make these stories and, and, you know, I think that's a benefit that they have is that even if you're a cast member who doesn't know a whole lot about Star Wars, you have heard plenty enough to be able to make your character what it is. Yeah, it's really saturated, you know, since uh, 40, 43 years. Um, wow. <laughs> since it's yeah. been around, it's really saturated pop culture to such a degree that I think you're correct, even if someone is not 
in the weeds, like reading the comics, reading the books, they have enough of an awareness to to get in there and play. Um, and um, Avatar, I mean, hasn't had the lifespan of Star Wars yet, so that's a little. It was quite different as far as yeah, yeah, having like background and things to pull from. Though I also, um, I'm kind of the weird like I don't actually super care for Avatar the film, but I super hardcore love Pandora the World of Avatar. What did you think when you first walked in and saw the Hallelujah Mountains? I was just blown away. It's just so gorgeously done. It kind of made me just feel a little emotional. And in fact, when I went on Flight of Passage the first time, I cried. And I was like, what is... It was, it was such a delightful experience to... Going in knowing that I didn't have maybe a strong connection to that universe and just being completely surprised and lost in it because the mount, like the construction of that is just beautiful. I love all the weird plants. Um, it, it's another place where you're just transported and it has, I was just, yeah, I was really impressed with Pandora. And I remember when I went thinking like, if this is what they're doing with the world of Avatar, like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is going to be incredible. And it yeah, is. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, good seen... job, Imagineers. <laughs> oh my gosh, you, you can say that a hundred times over. <laughs> now, do you what what exactly is your favorite snack within the Star Wars lands? Oh, it is hands down a Ronto wrap from Ronto Roasters. I, oh, they look so good. They are so good, and. I don't know if they have the vegetarian one at Walt Disney World yet, but if um, they have it at Disneyland, and that one is also delicious. Breakfast one's pretty good, too. But that is definitely, like, I have, uh, you know, last fall, like, I I worked for Disney for a brief time for Disney Yellow Shoes, and my role was a Star Wars uh, brand manager. So I was kind of their in-house Star Wars nerd to help them with advertising for Galaxy's Edge. Even if I would just be down at Disneyland for a brief time um, for work, I would like beeline to the back of the park if I didn't come in through Team Disney or something. Beeline toward the back of the park and get a Ronto wrap before I left because, man, I love them. I miss them. Oh, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. I've, I've seen so many pictures of them, and that's my type of meal. So, like, I'm, I, I can't wait to try it myself. And I'm, a, I, I'm gonna have to get back to you as far as the uh, vegetarian option in Walt Disney World. But um, I will definitely be trying the non-vegetarian option um, when we're, you know, there in October. Oh, I can't wait to have one again. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to go to a theme park again. But one day. One day, yeah, I know. I miss I miss theme parks and I miss conventions right now. This is my convention season, and it's just it's it's gone. Yeah, I am <laughs> bummed to be missing, or that there's no like Comic Con, or I was really looking forward to Star Wars Celebration. Was in Anaheim, was going yeah, to be yeah, Anaheim yeah. this year, and yeah, I feel ya. Yeah, and I think they won't be doing it again until 2022 in Anaheim. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's assuming D23 is happening next year. They're just going to alternate years, but yeah. I'm, um, I totally get it. I support can not the best time for conventions, but I still miss them. Yeah. I, I would even take a, a good old Renaissance fair right about now. Just, oh just my something. gosh. <laughs> yes. I saw somebody who, you know, the, the California, the LA area Renaissance fair here happens from late April throughout May. And somebody who I know is missing it so much. They decided to make their animal crossing Island into a mini Renaissance fair. Oh, that's <laughs> it's not funny. the same, but it's still very cute. 
Yeah, we were at a buddy's helping him um, do some stuff. He's actually on the other podcast with me, the NerdCon One podcast, and uh, his uh, a friend of ours. He's there. They have wedding swords. It's a it, I don't want to say it's like a live action role playing wedding, but um, definitely a, a period wedding because they are big into uh, Renaissance. And um, I saw the sword, and I'm like, man, I I I would I would kill for a, a turkey leg and some mead at a Renaissance fair today. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yes, it sounds so good. It does. <laughs> um, so now, you know, keeping with the, the food and beverage of uh, Disney, have you had a chance to try either the blue or the green milk? Um, I've tried both, and I prefer the green milk. Oh. Which does not seem to be a popular opinion. But <laughs> I like that it's just a little more tropical in flavor yeah. than the blue milk. I have not tried the. I know there's like a blue milk that's not a frozen drink in Ogas that I have not tried yet, but just in the milk stand, green milk wins yeah. hands down for me. I don't love the color of it. Gotta admit that. Um, but it tastes <laughs> good. Yeah, color and flavor. I mean, we we grew up in the generation of Sobe, so we can understand that things that are colored weird are um, still delicious. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I want to try those. I, I, you know what I would love to see though is a uh, some type of Dole Whip rendition of the blue or green milk. Oh, I would like that. Plus, you know, you can't, in my opinion, given the uh, climates of both locations of Galaxies, that you can't have enough cold frozen things. So, no, absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> I would love if they came up with a Star Wars spin on that. Yeah, we actually got very lucky in a uh, Froyo place near us. We just found out, oh, found out a few months ago has uh, Dole Whip. So I'm gonna maybe I'll have to try to make my own blue milk uh, Dole Whip. Please do it. Let me know how it goes because <laughs> I, I will. Know. I will share the recipe. Yep. Because <laughs> I think I think the Minchies around where I live has Dole Whip sometime, and that was a revelation. You know, for a while I moved. Uh, I was living in Ohio and. I really missed my Dole Whip. And then somebody's like, you know, frozen yogurt places have it sometimes. It's not just a Disneyland proprietary thing. And I was overjoyed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I didn't think I thought it was going to be, you know, either these niche little shops that might have it or like you said, just Disney proprietary. And and I was excited um, when I saw it. Granted, you don't have to time the machines down, but it's still, <laughs> you know, you get to hope up. There is a good recipe on um, Disney Parks blog. Uh, to make a Dole Whip at home, and we've done it now and, and perfected it. Uh, what I would say perfected it. I'm sure someone can make it better, but um, that one's good, though. That one is uh, with dairy. It isn't. It isn't a non-dairy recipe. Oh right, because in the parks it is dairy-free, as the blue and green milk are, I believe. Yes, yes, you are correct. Yeah, yeah. But the and then actually they have a few really good recipes on the um, Disney Parks blog for people. Um, they did it right at the beginning of when states started shutting down and going into quarantine, um, and it was just a way for people to kind of enjoy you know park snacks at home. So they did churros. They have the recipe out for uh, the grilled cheese sandwich at Woody's Lunchbox. Um, the Dole Whip and a few other ones that they threw in there as well. So we, we, we got to try a few of those at home. Um, I massacred the churros the first time and then it did okay <laughs> the second time making the churros. Um, but those were still pretty good the second time around. See, we really want to try um, my husband and I making the, I know they posted the tongue to toast recipe um, and we haven't done it yet, but I really, oh, I haven't seen that one. Try to make that at home. I don't know how that'll go, but 
you gotta try at least, right? Because a decadent <laughs> breakfast, you can't. I feel like you can't go. Everybody needs a over-the-top sugar, um, <laughs> grease oil-filled breakfast once in a while, <laughs> or every weekend. Yeah, know. yeah. No, I, <laughs> I agree. We do uh, what's called the Ohana breakfast, and and anyone listening in um, has heard me talk about this a hundred times because it's my favorite breakfast ever. But um, we quarter a uh, pineapple and then slice it right on the pineapple, so it makes like a little pineapple boat you can fork pieces off of, and we cook uh, uncured bacon usually like some sausage eggs and make like this big Ohana style breakfast. Um, and that, that's our big, you know, nice greasy on the weekend snack. And then you, you top it off with the the pineapple. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. And if you haven't had uncured bacon, this is a revelation we've had recently that, um, you know, obviously you want to cook it quickly, but um, it, it tastes so much better in my opinion. I'm sure I'll get a few, you know, retweets or something about this, but um, it tastes so much better. <laughs> Um, in my opinion, than just uh, you know normal from the store uh, bacon. So you, if you get a chance, definitely try that out. That's a good tip. And I want to try it. breakfast sandwiches have been my favorite weekend. Like take the time to actually make some breakfast that actually doesn't even take that much time. But uncured bacon. Yeah. Um, now, do you have? Obviously, they're not going, or none of them are happening at the current moment. But do you have any favorite shows or? parades anything like that that you guys like to check out when you're there i know you know it might be just in and out for rides and events with you guys being so close to a park but are there any that you you know come to mind yeah i love um i'm always going to be a sucker for main street electrical parade whenever it's around and um paint the night is another parade i really enjoy i haven't found a i haven't found a firework show that i feel super passionate about and uh this is potentially going to make you not like me um, but I don't really care for Fantasmic. Um, okay. All right. Which uh, that's a, fair. That, I, I will accept that. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm always like I'm ashamed to admit it. I wish I liked it more. Um, so yeah, Paint the Night. Um, I really always I hear that music always kind of gives me tingles. Like it, and that's kind of like tied to you know like our favorite things like with our experiences sometimes. And that was mm-hmm. when I met my husband and we went to one of our early dates to Disneyland um, because we met uh, over a mutual love of Instagram and on Instagram, a mutual love of Disneyland and Star Wars. Anyway, um, we saw that parade together um, early on and it kind of will always be special for that reason. Um, But that one's fun. But yeah, Main Street Electrical Parade, I can't, I can never like, I don't always make it a point because if you say you you live close, you go for a few hours, you get a snack, you go on a couple of rides and you're like, I'm good. Are you good? Great. We had, some joy in our day um but main street electrical parade is one that i will make it a point i'm like no we gotta stay like let's try to find a good spot and wait and watch um because it's just i just yeah adore that parade i think it's really fun and you know what else i love um that i only saw for the first time maybe when toy story land opened and i was in walt disney world is the uh what's it called the one they do on the water um the water pageant in um, Animal Kingdom or in, um, in I'm sorry, Walt like, Park? Um, I could see it from Wilderness Resort. So it's a show on the water that's a little Main Street Electrical Parade-esque. Um, I don't know oh, if they do. Oh, 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 what is in, it called? With the American flags. And, yes. Yeah, so that's, I, I correct, I, I may be wrong, but it's it's like the farewell um, promenade or, or riverboat promenade or something along those lines. I'd have to look it up. I, I'm kind of ashamed I don't know the answer to that. But um, electrical no. water pageant. 
Yes, that's what it is. Electrical water pageant. Um, and th that is a lot of fun. And you can actually see that from quite a few of the resorts. And that's a really nice thing at the end of the night. Yeah, that was charming as heck. I just I, like lost it. I thought it was just so adorable and wonderful. Yeah, we were at the Contemporary when we first saw it. And you, you hear the music go and you're like, what is that? And you look out and yeah. there's a thing going by. It's like, oh, wow. You know, you thought the night's over and there it is. Yeah, that was so just like such a fun discovery. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of neat ones. If you were actually staying at the French Quarters um, in October, as long as it opens appropriately. Um, and um, that one, I we were staying in Port Orleans, uh, Riverside, and I wanted beignets. My fiance wanted beignets at the time. So we went, I, I took a walk over, which is it's a considerable walk from the two sides of that resort. Um, yeah. But once you got into French Quarters and I see a horse carriage go by and you realize you are literally in the French quarters of New Orleans. Um, that was a neat little hidden, hidden spot for me. And the beignets were absolutely amazing. Oh, that's good to know. Cause I, when I stayed there, I only stayed at the Riverside and I don't think I even walked into the French quarters area. So that's, I love that resort. So that's a good tip. Yeah, actually. So you can rent the bikes cause they have those little um, four pedal bikes as well yeah. as you can get the horse and carriage over. I didn't realize that when I was walking, I think, there may be a small fee for the horse and carriage, um, but it's not anything like if you go to New York City or any of the other areas that have horse carriages through the parks. Right. You know, that the, which are, you know, some like 20 bucks every, you know, 10 minutes. But yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, but um, no, that, those those are neat and they'll take you right over there. But the, I think that's the only place in the parks. Actually, no, it is the only place in the parks, excuse me, that uh, serves beignets at all times. And they have different dipping sauces and everything like that. Ooh. And yes, uh, they are they are great. And they come in packs of either two, four, or six. And again, those are on the Disney dining plan, so you can use a snack credit for those as well. Um, I like that you can just get a couple. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we did. I think the first night we got two, and I, I believe we ended up sneaking back over and got four the next night because we were uh, at that point, you know, you've already been in the park, so your stomach's been stretched about three times the size it normally would be, and sure. uh, we, we were hungry, you know, for some more beignets. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, so we're getting a little bit close to time, so I want to give you a second um, just to make sure, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about, um, you you obviously have lots of Star Wars love. You got to work on a Star Wars book. Um, do you want to talk at all about, uh, you know, your, your, your work with that? Yeah, so I got to write Star Wars Woman of the Galaxy, um, which you kind of mentioned is a, is a book profiling 75 characters, all female characters, and it features art from 18 um, female and non-binary artists. And it's just a beautiful, like, coffee table-sized book, and I'm really proud of it, uh, what I did in it, but I'm especially, like, the art is a, just incredible because, you know, each artist artist kind of got to do their own you know, there is certainly some constrictions with models and everything that Lucasfilm, Padme needs to look like Padme. But each artist got to apply their own individual style. And the art just is gorgeous. Uh, and just characters that you've never seen them illustrated before. And in some cases, characters from the books that had never been illustrated. So that was a lot of fun. And I um, hope to announce I have a couple few more star wars things uh writing and book related projects in the works um maybe something about galaxy's edge who knows that i hopefully get to announce more details on 
Uh-huh. I will be uh, patiently awaiting <laughs> possible details for that. Um, no, that's awesome. And, and I love, so my daughter is, um, she's she's 11 now, and I, I've always tried to get her into Star Wars. And a big help has been watching um, some of the stories, you know, a lot of the animation. Um, and it's funny that you talk about the, the difference in animation that you guys use or got to use in, in your own expressions, because I feel like that's what the modern Disney animation has become between Rebels and Resistance um, and Clone Wars, even as the, the the final season of Clone Wars has aired now, um, it, it's kind of cool to really see it kind of be you know from the females' perspective. Especially um, my daughter and I love watching a lot of the the short episodes they do, um, the women's of the women of the galaxy that they do on um, what is that Disney XD, I think. Oh yes, the Forces of Destiny. Yes, the Forces of Destiny. Yeah. So sorry about that. No. Yeah, so that's cool that you got to do that. Yeah, it was a delight. And, you know, I love Clone Wars. You know, it was not the first Star Wars I saw, but it's kind of like my Star Wars. It's the Star Wars that made me fall in love with Star Wars. And there are so many. I mean, Ahsoka is my favorite Star yes. Wars character, period. Yep. But just in general, yeah, a, a tremendous number of, uh, you know, animation. It, it, the film has certainly, got, certainly gotten better about including more women. But Star Wars Rebels and uh, Clone Wars, really, there's some incredible characters in, the, in both of those series, and Star Wars Resistance as well, which I'm a little... I still need to finish the final season of that. Yeah. Yeah, that one, I think, because it was a little bit, I think, towards a slightly younger demographic. Yeah. It was tough. I did enjoy it. I liked the storytelling of it and seeing some of the old characters um, that I love. But, it, you know, I can understand having, you know, a little bit harder to get through than um, Clone Wars or Rebels. Yeah, it definitely was, yeah, like you said, geared toward a younger audience. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. And you want to just make sure you let everyone know where we can um, see you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Nick. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Amy underscore Geek. And yeah, stay tuned for some announcements, hopefully soon. All right. Well, cool. So thank you so much, everyone else, for listening in. Um, if you guys want to find me, again, that's at Disney Adams on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also head over to www.5minutepopcast or find us at 5minpopcast on all social media. And again, this episode is brought to you by Tink's Magical Vacations. Um, they are an earmarked travel planning company, which means all of their services, if you book through Tink's Magical Vacations, are completely free of uh, charge to you. So if you guys have questions, especially in... Uh, today's day and age with COVID um, concerns, as well as closures and reopening. Uh, make sure you guys book with Tink's Magical Vacations because, again, they are free to you. And it is a lot of help to navigate all of the new systems and updates that keep coming out. So thanks again, guys, for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>